welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. whatever we're going through, our God is able, amen, to minister to us, praise God, thank you for your worship tonight, amen, God loves the praises of his people, and uh, there's nothing like just uh, lifting him up, extolling him magnifying Him. And because I don't know how you feel, but I love to feel the presence of the Lord. I love to feel the presence of the Lord. I like to, I like to see hearts become tender toward the Lord and become uh, pliable in the hands of God. Amen. It absolutely matters and makes a difference. Genesis, the 13th chapter this evening, if you will. One portion of scripture before you're seated. Amen. 13th chapter of the book of Genesis and verse 3. Amen. If you remember last week, we talked about Abram and how he built that altar, then he went down to Egypt, and, and how that uh, his wife was beautiful and uh, she was his half sister but she said he said uh, tell him that you're my sister not my wife because if you tell him that you're my wife they'll kill me and uh, so they kind of came up with this plan but then God plagued Pharaoh's house and Pharaoh said what is this that you've done you told me that she was your sister and uh, when she's your wife, go read the story. It's, it's a pretty interesting story. And then he sends him away. So now they return to Canaan here. And let me just, let me start verse 1 if you don't mind. I, I apologize to you. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. And Lot, everybody say Lot, went with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And verse 3 says that he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. Between Bethel and Ai. Lord God, we thank you once again for your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness that you have so graciously shown to us. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for paying that price. Your blood that was shed to cover a multitude of sins. Amen. We thank you, Lord God, for that today. And Lord, for the next little while, we ask for your anointing to rest upon these lips of clay to speak your word. 
and that your word would have an impact not only on those that are here in this building presently, but also those that are watching online. I pray, God, that you would minister to whomsoever would allow your word to penetrate the heart. Amen. Because, Lord, that is what you're all about. You're wanting to make a difference in our lives. So help us tonight again, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody say amen. amen. One more time, clap your hands to the Lord for you're seated. Now, Abram was acknowledged as the patriarch of the Jewish people, a man of some wealth, and uh, he had left his home in what is known today as modern-day Iraq and traveled around looking for a place that God had promised him. And so he comes to this place, which the Bible describes this way, in chapter 12 and verse 8 of Genesis. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. But we see here that he couldn't stay there though because the famine that was happening at that time was so severe and so he took everybody and he went to uh, Egypt for a time and when he returned he went right back to the place that he had been before the trip to Egypt amen where everybody say where he built an altar and chapter 13 and verse 1 through 4 of Genesis the Bible said and Abram went up out of Egypt and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south or in the Hebrew Negev. And Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, gold. And he went on his journey from the south even to Bethel unto the place where, he, where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and Ai unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there the Bible says Abram called on the name of the Lord. I, I've talked in the last couple of weeks about an altar. Amen. About an altar. And we live in a day and time right now where uh, established altars are going to mean something. Amen. Not, not something that is an heirloom or something that's been around or something that somebody else used. But yet something that you and I build on our own. Something that you and I, amen, put a little work into. Why? Because it's what you and I need to use, amen, when we talk to the Lord. At this point, it's important to note the significance of the places that were named here in this story. Amen. The place of Bethel, in the Hebrew, that means uh, the house of God. And, and that is why some years later, when you look at Genesis, the 28th chapter, God appears to Jacob at Bethel in a dream or a vision. And, and there, there was a ladder or or a staircase, amen, and, and there was angels that were uh, descending and ascending uh, on the staircase, and then uh, the Lord was at the top of it and began to speak uh, and tell him uh, similar to that which uh, he had told Abram, uh, amen, that I'm going to make you, there's going to be a great nation, and, uh, and, and, and there's, you're going to be uh, the leader of a great uh, group of people, amen, and, and, and the Bible says that Jacob was afraid, 
amen, and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And he called the name of that place Bethel. Amen. The other place that was mentioned here was Ai. Ai means ruins or destruction. Amen. It always is noted in the Hebrew as Havai. Amen. The ruins, uh, the word is used whenever something uh, is referred to uh, as being in, uh, destroyed uh, intentionally or simply left uh, in uh, despair. Amen. A house uh, made of mud bricks uh, that has been left to the weather and the rains. Uh, amen. It will soon find itself. Uh, amen. The walls and the foundation uh, become soft uh, and tender and they begin to fall apart uh, over the years. Uh, amen. I know in my house, uh, amen, talk to my wife, she will tell you uh, there's always something uh, it seems like that needs uh, to be uh, repaired. How many has ever come to your house one day and say, you know what, that wasn't that way yesterday. A piece of the gutter's hanging off. Or a piece of siding is dangling after a windstorm. Amen. Something's not right. Or a toilet's not working right. Or a sink's not working right. And, and you know, husbands, uh, we are supposed to have all of the answers uh, to all of the problems uh, that happen in our house. <laughs> Come on, how many knows what I'm talking about? Amen. For years, uh, we had a chimney problem, and the face of the brick was popping off. Amen. We got one portion of it fixed uh, and spent some money on it at the top, but the rest of it started crumbling. And if we'd have left it that way, I believe one day the chimney would be laying uh, on the ground. Amen. I can't lay brick. Amen. The, the closest I've come to that is mixing the mortar for those uh, that lay the brick. I don't know how to do that. Amen. So you had to hire somebody uh, to come in uh, and make the repairs uh, that were necessary so you wouldn't have to spend more money uh, because the water is getting behind the chimney uh, into your wall. If you don't maintain uh, your house, uh, amen, it's going to end up costing you more than you want to pay. Oh, come on. Somebody clap your hands and praise God. But I'm here to tell you something just simple. If you don't maintain your altar, amen, it's going to be more than you can pay. Amen. Understand uh, that altar is so important in your life uh, that you need to maintain that. Uh, you need to take care of that altar. Amen. You need to look at it uh, and observe it as a place uh, that you communicate uh, with God. Now, I know I can talk to God in my car. I know we've got an altar here at church. I know you can talk to God in the pew that you're sitting in right now. Amen. I know all of that. It doesn't have to be a, a physical altar. But sometimes I think you need and I need that place. Amen. That place that we call an altar. It might be the chair in your family room. Amen. It might be a chair or a desk in your den or your office. It might be somewhere downstairs in your basement. Amen. I remember my mom in hotels would make the bathroom, amen, a place of prayer when she would get up in the morning. I'm here to tell you that you all, we all have to have a place where we know this is an altar that I have erected so I can talk to God. If I did nothing to maintain my house, it would fall apart. Right? 
I've got a filter for my refrigerator that's been sitting on my table in the kitchen for several days. I'll just put it that way. Still wrapped up. And I come down one day and I said, there's a filter there. And uh, I said, didn't I just change that filter? And she said, yeah, six months ago. And you know what she did? God love her. She's great for this. She crawls under the crawl space and she changes the filter in the furnace. She'd already had that done. Man, I was so proud of her. It saved me from having to crawl up underneath that house. She's a lot smaller than I am. She's got a lot more wiggle room to get in there. Hey man, her and Brother Vernon, thank God for people like that. That can, that can do things like that. But if you don't maintain them, you're going to have some issues. You're going to have some problems. Just look back in 1986 with Chernobyl over in Russia. Amen. They had that nuclear explosion, that accident at that nuclear power station. Amen. Before the accident, amen, there was something like 15 or 16,000 people that lived in that city. Amen. Today, there's only a few people that remain. 500 to be exact. I looked it up. Amen. If it hasn't changed. Amen. But now it's mostly a overgrown, a ghost town. Amen. With a thriving wildlife that's around. And despite the city being uninhabitable for, they said, thousands of years. I don't know what the truth of that is. That's what the terminology that they use. Amen. Because of elevated levels of background radiation. Amen. They have some guided tours. Amen. And things like that. But understand this. A city, amen, that now lays in ruins. Amen. Amen, nothing they can do. And before that accident, amen, they had a thriving group of people. And now scientists are studying the decline of the city, amen, for many years now in order to see how long the structures will exist without maintenance. Amen. Understand the short story is if human beings, amen, were to all be gone tomorrow, the earth, amen, would be fine. Buildings would collapse. Roads would crumble. Dams would break. Steel would rust. Everything else would fall apart after time. In short, everything made by the hands of human beings will deteriorate and disappear in a matter of decades. Amen. But I'm here to tell you, you must not allow that altar, amen, to to decay. You must not allow that altar to be unused. Amen. That's where you talk to God. That's where God talks to you. Amen. That's where things happen because you got an altar and it's on purpose. It's intentional. It's not something that was just there. And so in between the house of God and the place of destruction is where Abram chose to build his altar to the Lord. He built this altar at a crossroads of his life. Amen. And not once, but twice. He had a decision to make when he traveled from the land of Ur of the Chaldees. And he had a decision to make when he traveled back from Egypt. And the Bible lets us know that in both cases, he stops at a place of his decision. And he builds an altar to the Lord. Amen. He hadn't been back in a while and the altar was probably in pretty bad shape. 
Amen. Hard telling what had happened over time. Amen. But he had to build a fresh altar. Amen. And, 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 and the, the, the power of it is, amen, should he go to the house of the Lord? Or should he go to the place of destruction? Should he go to that place, the house of the Lord, called Bethel? Or should he go to Ai? It is just within this context that we see Abram asking his son, has his, has his, or his nephew, as his nephew has been introduced to us in the story coming back from Egypt. Amen. Lot, his nephew. And the Bible says that the flocks of Abram and Lot had grown in a great amount, too numerous. And so Abram asked Lot to decide which way he would go. The herdsmen had been having problems. They were fighting back and forth. And, and, and Abram knew that this was not a good situation for the family. And so they had to make a separation. So he gives Lot the option. He said, Lot, I want you to pick. And he said, you know, in chapter 13, verse 9, and then over to verse 11, he said, separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, he said, then I'll go to the left. And verse 11 says, then Lot chose, amen, him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. And so Lot chose the well-watered plains that was east towards Ai. And when standing in the crossroads between Bethel and Ai, Lot made the decision to go towards destruction. Folks, let me tell you something tonight. You and I, we have to make that same decision. What way are we going to travel? Which way are we going to go? I don't know about you tonight, but I'm going to go the way of Bethel. I'm going to go by the way of house of the Lord. I'm going to go where the altar, where the presence of God is. Amen. I'm going to go where I can talk to God. God can talk to me and everything's going to be all right. You say, but pastor... I just, it's hard for me to make that kind of a decision. There's so much going on in my life. Choose life, not death. Choose the path that leads, amen, to God, not the path that leads away from God. Choose heaven, not hell. Amen, not popular messages today, but I'm here to tell you there is a heaven and there is a hell, and you're going to spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven or in hell you got to make that decision. You see, the Bible is quick uh, to point out to us what happened uh, as a result of that choice. Amen. And because uh, the plain of Jordan uh, were the cities uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah, amen, you see that Lot uh, not only pitched his tent, uh, but he ended up uh, one day in the city. Amen. And, and at first, uh, Lot simply places his tent toward it. Uh, amen. But soon uh, we see him there. In Genesis 19, 1 it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at, 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 at even, and Lot was in the gate of Sodom. Everybody say the gate. Amen. Men sitting at the gate, it wasn't like they were just chewing the fat. It wasn't like they were just having casual conversations. To my understanding, when they were sitting into the gate, uh, amen, they were making decisions. 
Amen. The gate, uh, those that sat in the gate were ones, uh, amen, that governed uh, and ruled the city. And they decided, uh, decis- made decisions there and decided uh, legal disputes. Uh, and in modern times, you might want to call them uh, the city council. Amen. I can imagine uh, Lot deciding, uh, amen, that a sign was too big uh, for Truth Tabernacle. Or that a woman uh, should go to jail because uh, uh, she was caught shoplifting. Uh, amen. By being on that council, amen, Lot uh, would help shape the tone uh, and the laws uh, of that city. Uh, amen. But the Bible lets us know that that, that city uh, was evil. It was so evil that God sent his angels uh, to destroy it. Uh, amen. I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about the wrath of God. I don't think our world is ready, amen, for what's going to come on it. I don't think the people even have a a, a clue uh, of what's going to happen to this world uh, one of these days. Uh, And I just happen to believe uh, that it's not too far off uh, in the distant future. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. I'm here to tell you, amen, that God sent his angels. He was so fed up with the wickedness, so fed up with the sin that he said, you know what, amen, go down there and destroy that place. Amen. You see, there's something about it. When Lot had that chance to choose, amen, the house of God or the place of destruction, he chose the place of destruction. And the the, the magnificent thing about this story is the fact that Lot and his family would have been destroyed if it had not been for Uncle Abram. Understand it tonight. If it wasn't for an uncle that had a relationship with God. Let me tell you tonight, our relationship as a mother, as a father, as a grandparent, uh, amen, as a brother, as a sister, uh, amen, it matters. Uh, it matters. Uh, amen. you got to stick with it, uh, amen, so that you can believe God for your children uh, and their, your, your, your uncles, your aunts, your moms, your dads, whoever it might be. you got to stick with it uh, and make the right decisions because it might be to the very salvation of your family. Well, do you believe that tonight? Clap your hands and praise Him. Abram intervened on his behalf. God decided, I'm going to stop by and check on Abram. You know the story. You know, one part where Sarah laughed, and, and because he's like, you know, hey, you're going to have a kid. And, and uh, Sarah's like, <laughs> and he comes out of the tent, and God, what are you laughing for? You know, amen. I'm telling you right now, nothing's impossible with God. Let me say it again. Nothing is impossible with God. Why don't you help me say it tonight? Nothing is impossible with God. If a woman that's 90 years old can have a baby, well, God can do anything. God can do anything. Hey, oh, you say, yeah, but uh, uh, that's just say, uh, you know what? T- you know, and, and 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 you know, I'm gonna tell you something else too. Rachel wasn't a spring chicken. Right? And uh, and Jacob married. Uh, he come in there and Laban, he says, you know what, I'll, I want to marry her. And uh, 
Oh, yeah, sure. Come on, man. We're going, yeah, that's great. You know, we're family. Come on. We're going, we're going to do it. You know, so he works for him. And at the end of that year, you know, he's all excited about it. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, in that custom, they got them all garbed up and covered up and everything. So he marries her or what he thought was her. Next day, he realized it was Leah. And then he goes to complain to Laban, and Laban said, hey, it's our custom. I can't, I can't give you my younger daughter before I give away my older daughter. So he has to work another seven years. You know the story? And then the Bible, the Bible tells us that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, Jacob had a problem with Leah, you know, and Leah knew that he, he really hated her, and God seen that. So God said, okay, I'm going to open your womb, and I'm going to let you start having kids. I don't know why I'm getting on this right now, but I'm going to tell you. So, so she starts having kids. Well, Rachel starts getting uh, pretty jealous about that fact. Well, finally, you know, it, co- it says a couple times, and she was hated, and she realized that. Amen. But God kept giving her children. And, and the next thing you know, all of a sudden, Rachel, God sees her, and, 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 and uh, you know, in her condition, she's all locked up. She can't have kids. Uh, and so they picked up this, this, this girl named Hagar, and, and, and she was helping her out. And, and next thing you know, it's, hey, come on now. Uh, you know, I want a child, da 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 And all of a sudden, you got Ishmael by the time it's all said, uh, said and done she has a promised child come on understand this today God, it, nothing is impossible with God nothing is impossible I don't care what you're going through or what you're facing uh, you got to keep on believing uh, that God is God amen he always has been Amen. Bobby preached this morning, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the end, the first and the last. That which was, is, is to come. He's the Almighty. So you have it here. A few hundred years later, we got a guy by the name of Joshua. Actually, somewhere 400 years. Find a different group of people coming out of Egypt. And the Israelites have been bondage in Egypt for a long time. They've wandered now in the desert for 40 years under the leadership of Moses, under their new leader now, Joshua. However, the time has come where it's time for them to go in and possess the land. Amen. That had been promised to their patriarch, Abraham, all those years ago. Everybody say, all those years ago. And the first battle that they were having when they came into the, the new land was a place called Jericho. And so they did exactly what God said to do. And so uh, uh, God gave them a great battle. There was a great victory. Uh, Jericho fell. Amen. But instead of waiting on God, they decided, well, we're going to do this. We only need some, uh, some of our valiant men, 3,000. Let's go up and we're going to take AI. I'll tell you one thing. That's why an altar is important. You got to hear from God. You got to know what God wants for your life. Come on, you got, you got to have a communication going on. Amen, because you know in our human flesh, we make mistakes. In our human flesh, uh, we mess up. Amen, but if you're talking to God, God's going to check you. Uh, amen, God's going to help you. Uh, God's going to speak to you. Uh, and God's going to put you on the right track. Come on, if you believe that tonight, clap your hands and praise Him. And so here they were at the same place that Abram found himself in. A place of decision between Bethel and Ai. And Joshua finds himself in that same situation when he leaves Egypt. Let's look at Joshua the 7th chapter verse 2 and 3. And notice what it says here. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which was beside Beth-Avon on the east of Bethel. 
and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but a few. Joshua faced a decision. God had miraculously saved them from Jericho by bringing down the walls of the city. When, but when faced with Ai, however, Joshua makes the fatal mistake of relying on the strength of his own people. We can do this. People come in and say, we can do this. We can get this done. We got it. We don't need just two or 3,000 people. You see, they forgot who actually gave them the victory just before that. There are only a few people in Ai. So Joshua makes that decision to go up against Ai. Amen. The place of destruction without consulting God. Think about it tonight. Without consulting God, he makes that decision to go up to Ai. Place of destruction. So he goes up under his own power. And we understand the power of the heathen God. Amen. We understand that. Amen. You know, people think that they're great. And they, they, they do things. And you think that all that's going to go great. I can do it on my own. But how many's got frustrated one time or another doing things on your own? It's not by might, not by power, but by what? His spirit. Not by us. We can't do it. I can't get it done. Amen. When you do it, you got to do it the right way. you got to hear from God. And that's what happened to Joshua. They lost a lot of good men in that battle. They were routed. But yet, what he should have done was heard from God before he went because there was a problem. God had a problem with who? Achan. When Joshua prays to God, God said, get up off your face. Get up on face. You see, Joshua realized, I've messed up. I've tried to depend on my people. I've tried to depend on myself. And so what happens? He gets down before God and he says, God, what happened? You know, what's going on? God said, look, uh, you know, just, just understand this, uh, uh, Joshua. Realize this. Get off your face. Israel sin. Amen. So when Joshua consults with God and has, and has the blessings of God once again, the Lord said to him in chapter 8, verse 1, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee. Rise up, go to Ai. See, I have given it into thine hand, the king of Ai, and his people, and his city, and his land. And so just like Abram, amen, Joshua and the rest of the Israelites keep coming back to the place uh, between Bethel and Ai where they got to decide whom they're going to serve. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. What, what, are you going to make that kind of decision? Are, are you bold enough to make that kind of a statement that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Because we're going to face these crossroads. You're going to face these decision points. You're going to have to make that decision. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to make a decision, I want the blessings of God to be on that decision. Amen. I don't want to go towards the place of destruction without the presence of God. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. And so we look at today and so many people today live their lives between what? Bethel and Ai. 
They built an altar to God in the middle of the ground and have not chosen to live in one place or the other. Look, we live in a messed up world today. There's all kinds of problems, not just in our country, but around the world. People are, are becoming more and more less likely, amen, to uh, claim Christianity. A few years ago, it used to be a poll had that 90%, uh, 92% of Americans believe in God. And at that time, only 40% claimed to attend church. And only 18.2% actually did. And the question that you would have is, how can this be? Amen. But now you take a poll and you find out they ask three different, uh, the question three different ways. Uh, and, and, and now they've got it to 87% at the highest and 64% at the lowest. And a number, a, a, a number of, of people are now in the United States, they are, their, their title for them is religious nuns. I'm not talking about the Catholic nuns. I'm talking about N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. Everybody say the nuns. I want you to get that in your head. Amen. Because that number in the U.S., amen, has grown by nearly 30 million over the last decade. 30 million over the last 10 years of people that really don't, claim anything they're religious nuns I've ran into people that used to go to church used to talk in tongues used to believe this that now they are basically a, a religious nun they don't have anything they don't subscribe to anything they don't have any kind of a belief in that system they would say I, I don't go to church you know, used to, you didn't have sports on Sunday. On Sundays, when I was a kid growing up, the grocery stores were closed, the gas stations were closed. How many remembers that? You younger people, you don't remember that. Amen. And when I started coming up, even the malls, they were only open. When I worked at the mall, it was only open from 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock. They opened later. Why? Because people went to church in the morning. And at that day and time, they closed about five because a lot of people still went to church in the evening. But now, folks, we're finding a way to have less church. Oh, don't get quiet on me here tonight. I'm telling you, there's a reason for the religious nuns. Uh, there's a reason why, amen, the, that they've grown for uh, th over 30 million in the last uh, 10 years. Uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, I'm here to tell you that as a church, uh, we got to stay at the altar. We got to pray at the altar. Uh, we got to have a move of God. We got the presence of God. Amen. We got to have that going on. Why? Because that's the thing uh, that's going to touch their lives uh, to get them out of that category. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. I hear people talking that they're atheists, or I hear people talking that they're agnostic. And always in my mind, I'll say, you can be that for now, but one day you will believe. One day you'll believe. Amen. When the wrath of God begins to hit this place and the judgments of God begins to hit this place. Amen. And the church is out of here. 
Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. And I'm here to tell you right now, I don't know, we may face some things. I don't know what we're going to face, but I'm going to tell you what. Amen, we're living in the day of time where I believe God's getting flat fed up with what's going on in the world today. Amen. You can read it in the Old Testament, read it in the New Testament. God, amen, was tired of sin. But if we take these numbers accurate, then it would appear that Americans have built an altar for themselves somewhere other than Bethel. Amen. Their altar is to their sports team. Their altar is to the gaming community. My Lord, our kids are all caught up in the gaming system and, 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 and all these different things, and, and that's fine for them to do stuff like that. But, but, but you as parents, uh, amen, and, and, and myself as a grandparent, uh, amen, we got to get a place to where we say, you know what, that's enough. We need to go do something else. TV has become a babysitter. Games have become a babysitter. And we're not paying attention on what they're watching on TV. And we're not paying attention to the kind of games they're playing. Amen. We're not, we're not paying attention to, to what they're reading. We're not paying attention to where they're going. Hey, folks, I can remember when my mom came and got me and dragged me out of the pool hall. And I was 18 years old. Parents, don't get quiet on me here right now. But you know, my mom had an altar. My dad had an altar. Amen. And in that day and time, nowadays, nowadays, Lord only knows what would happen. My dad and my mom both would have probably been in jail. They believed in switches. They believed in the belt. Y'all online hearing this. Now, if you're old enough to remember, you can say amen with me because you know exactly what was going on. But I'm going to tell you something right now. We are raising a generation of people that are godless. They don't believe in God. They don't go to church. They don't pray. But they expect everything to be okay. Sooner or later, you're going to find out that God don't play around with sin. Come on, somebody shout Hallelujah. I said, God, don't play around with sin. Amen. God, God, you want a relationship with God? You got to be bound and determined that you're going to stick to it. Uh, amen. Built that altar. Keep it maintained uh, and keep it hot. Come on. Come on. Some people, you got to realize this. Uh, amen. Instead, uh, amen, they uh, not committing, uh, amen, to uh, the things of God. A lot of these people are, are committing themselves to being an atheist uh, or being agnostic. Uh, amen. Not, they're not going to commit to God. Instead, they try to have a sense of godliness in their lives, a type of vague spirituality that you will often find them using phrases like, well, I believe that all religions lead to God. Don't get quiet on me here tonight. Let me ask you this. Do all airplanes go to Acapulco? Do all airplanes go to Hawaii? Do all, do all airplanes go to Florida? And we want to have this sense that says all, you know, all religions head to the same place. Well, 
All believe that all religions get there. Well, amen. Understand this. I believe in the same way. Many followers of, 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 of a lot of other religions are going to find themselves surprised at the end of their life or at the end of what we know the church age if they're still alive. Amen. Jesus was a good person, they say. And we should strive to be like him. But he wasn't really God. The problem with these philosophies is that they try to reconcile things that cannot be reconciled. Zen Buddhism cannot be reconciled with Jesus Christ. Just because Islam or Christianity both derive from Judaism, amen, that does not mean that they are all three equal. The Quran says that the follower of Islam under the covenant of Abraham, however, they claim that the Old Testament is an error and had to be corrected by Muhammad. In fact, the Quran devotes more words to Jesus than the Christian New Testament. Understand that. However, their version states that Jesus was an illegitimate child of Mary and a human father. It also states that Jesus went to heaven after his death and was confronted by God and asked, and asked him why he had claimed to be God. It says in the last days, Jesus will return to earth and tell everybody, that while he is Jesus, he's not the Christ. In other words, it says and states that the second coming of Jesus Christ will be an antichrist. But Jesus clearly claimed to be God. Even they will agree to that when he was standing before the Sanhedrin and said in Mark 14, uh, 61, 2 and 3, Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and saith, What need we any further witnesses? And the words Jesus used, he said, I am. It's more than just a simple claim. Here Jesus uses the unspeakable name of God, amen, which they knew as Yahweh. Amen. The I am, that I am, that God that first spoke to Moses from the burning bush. Amen. It was forbidden by law for anybody to claim to even use God's name, let alone claim to be God. And interestingly, even God could not claim to be God. And so by claiming to be God, Jesus takes away our ability to simply refer to him as a nice guy or as a great prophet or as a great guy. No, he claims to be God and therefore we are stripped of any choice but this do we believe in him or not you can no longer simply build a comfortable altar in between Bethel and Ai you must choose the house of God or the place of destruction you must choose you must choose. If he is God, then we're obligated to do what he requires. And we cannot tolerate alternative religions or paths because Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So 
So if he's not God, then we've got to choose to reject everything he said as, as just the ravings of a madman. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 19. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. You see, the cross serves as a symbol of the decision that you and I must make. He hung on that cross suspended between earth and the heavens between heaven and hell if you might say between Bethel and Ai between the house of God and the place of destruction in John 12 32 and 3 and if I be lifted up from the earth will draw all men unto me this he said signifying what death he should die and I close with this Jesus is calling us today. Days of building an altar between Bethel and Ai without making a decision must be over. The days are drawing to a close and we must choose between belief in him and belief in ourselves. Do we commit or do we pull away? Do we do what we know is right? Or do we decide it's too much work? Because the Bible tells us that narrow is the way that leadeth to eternal life. And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Folks, let me tell you tonight, the only way, the only way to make yourself right with God is to build that altar, maintain that altar. The house of God should be the most important thing in our lives. Man, our family is living for God. That should keep us on the horn. That should, we should tie ourselves to the horns of the altar. And we need to say, Lord, I want my family saved. I want my family saved. What, you know, God, move on them. However, Lord, visit them. Let them feel your presence wherever they're at. Let them realize how important it is. Let's stand together. But pastor, we got, you know, I could preach you a fluffy message. And I will. Miracles, signs, and wonders, I believe them. But everything starts at an altar. Everything. Say that with me. Everything starts at an altar. No altar, no miracle signs and wonders. No altar where there's repentance, no forgiveness. There's got to start. It's got to start at an altar. You grow at the altar. Sometimes it's painful, but 
it's necessary. In our day and time right now, we're living right now in, in, in a lot of uncertain times. Amen. But you know what? There's one thing I can say to you that's positive tonight. Amen. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but His Word shall not. same yesterday, today, and forever. you got to get a hold of Him. God can change whatever you need tonight. Do you believe that? Amen. I'm going to open these altars right now. Amen. I'm inviting you to come. If you don't feel comfortable with that, then right where you're at, make that an altar. You can make that an altar. That bench, it's a padded pew. Amen. You can sit down on it. You can kneel, whatever's comfortable for you. But, but let's talk to God for a moment. Amen. Because I believe God wants to do some great things in 2000 and 2021. Amen. I, I really believe God wants to move in our families and our friends. Amen. I believe God wants to minister to us in a way, amen, that, that, will, that will speak volumes on our commitment to Him. Come on. Raise your voice. Raise your voice. Raise your hands. Amen. Let's just talk to the Lord while they sing. Come on.